Blog Talk Radio. Well, greetings and welcome everyone to today's episode of Drive Through. HR. My name is Robin Schooling, and I am one of the co-hosts of the show, and uh, it appears that I will be the only host today, as my partner in crime, Michael Vandervoort, uh, was unable to make it, and I know he is saddened at missing today's show because we have a guest on with us today, longtime friend, of the show, um, someone we talk to fairly regularly because there's always something, uh, something new and exciting. And so, without further ado, let me welcome uh, Kat Kibben. How Thank you, you so much. I was gonna say I'm like we're like longtime real life friends. I still remember well, the day I met you. I know. Me too. Me too. Uh, so for our um, for our listeners who have have not had the pleasure of listening to you, um, seeing you live at an event or on a, on a webinar, um, or have not read your fabulous content or run into you in any places, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of where you're, where you're hanging your hat right now. Yeah, so like you said, my name's Kat Kibben. I run a company called Three Ears Media, the number three, the ears on your head. I know sometimes people hear people hear years, and I'm like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Named after two dogs with four ears, and I will tell that story some other time. But I and my team, we are job post writing experts. And all of the things you mentioned, the, the speaking, the writing, the research, all led up to this. Because prior mm-hmm. to our business, there really wasn't a job post-writing expert, period. And the problem, the consequences keep falling on talent and recruiting teams. And so I spent the last five years with a really incredible team learning how we can write better job postings, but more so teaching other teams how to do it because every team and every leader, and that's what we're here to talk about, should be able to understand Mm -hmm. requirements and what success looks like. Mhm. Yep. And and I do have to say, and and obviously we have our links on our landing page, but uh, and when we wrap up the show, we'll we'll uh, remind people where they can find you. But one of the things that um, you have just always been such a leader in and such a champion for is yes, it's teaching others, and but it's also providing information and resources to people uh, for free. I, I can't tell you the number of people over the years that I have con- continuously directed to the Three Ears Media site and to you know other sites where you had things and said, "Go here, go go read this, go download this. Here's this, uh, here's a guidebook, here's a white paper, here's here's just this wealth of information for folks that want to start on their journey to writing." better job advertisements and job postings and kind of go down that path. And you've always just been so generous with sharing. Thank you. You know, I realized really early in this because of a a thousand really smart people, but also my own lived experiences, like 
you know, on the other side of that job posting is a person. And as yes. much as, you know, I think you can monetize and build and strategically scale your business to do the work, the reality is that the impact is too big for me to think like everybody should have to have a budget to know how to do this. I, I right. genuinely believe that this is so important that I'll teach you all of it for free. But if you want me to give you a custom, like the custom, mm-hmm. we're, we're more than happy to help mm-hmm. that too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Huh. Um, and, and, and I, and I have regularly seen the accolades from those teams that you've worked with. So, so we know it works you. and, and you're, you're changing, you're changing, you're changing hearts and minds and, and skill sets along the way, which is really what we kind of want to dive into today is talking about skills for leaders. And so it's kind of a little bit of a twist um, in that, you know, quite regularly when, uh, as you mentioned, when we talk about, okay, well, who's writing, who's got the responsibility for, for writing job posts? Who's taking that, that dull, dry, HR job description and turning it into a job post, um, who's doing that? And it, it often falls on, on the shoulders of somebody in HR or in a, a larger organization, you know, somebody on a TA team. But now we're going to talk about leaders, so not necessarily those who are tasked with doing this regularly. Um, and, and what we want to dive into is why why leaders should have this ability to uh, craft and, and, and write job posts as well as craft yeah. and write resumes. So let's, let's start with, um, let's start with job posts and, and dive into that. What, what do you see as the role of the leader now um, and where do you think it should it should be? Yeah, so I think broadly what we're seeing is that leaders were never taught how to write job postings, and yet this responsibility is still falling on their lap, right? Mm-hmm. I've traveled the world teaching recruiters how to write job postings, and I have yet to meet an army of people who are like, I feel very confident about my work. I'm very good at this. Not one. Yeah. Years. Not one, Right. And yet we will hand off that project to someone, to a manager and be like, you know what you're doing, right? Yeah. (laughs) And it didn't really hit me how critical that moment is, not just the responsibility, but the fact that they're unskilled. When someone said to me, you know, you can't find keys if you don't know that you're looking for keys. And so the whole idea was that a leader knows they're looking for someone, but if they never know what they're looking for, They can't hire the right person, and that person Mm -hmm. cannot be successful. Mm -hmm. And truly, I think that's a role in recruiting that we've somehow let fall off the plate, where Mm -hmm. we became order takers. And then these managers got really mad that we didn't bring the order. They're like, where's my fry? Right, right, right. Where's the Coke, right? Well, and you know, we often, it's, um, I've often equated it to, when we go shopping for a car and we put more thought into, uh, in the old days, right, before you could do Carvana and all this stuff. Um, uh, and I think of, you know, over the years, we'd be like, oh, well, I think it's time for a new car. And and so, you know, my husband and I would sit down and do a little list, right? Here's what we 
here's what we absolutely need, you know, here's kind of our nice-to-haves, and we would spend all sorts of time on this this list, kind of like the job post, right? Here's yeah. what we absolutely need. Here's what we'd like to have. Ooh, I'd like heated seats. Oh, no, that'd be nice to have, right? Um, and take this list, and then you go out and go to the car lots and go shopping and whatnot. Um, and that's kind of like it's kind of like writing, writing, writing that job post or deciding what's, who you need to hire, what, what type of person you're looking for um, is kind of like what kind of car do I want to go and buy? Cause I'm going to want this car to last for a long time. Yeah. What do I absolutely need? You know, mileage, whatever, electric versus non-electric, whatever. Um, and what, you know, what's the nice to have? How do we, how do we do that? Yeah. Exactly. And it's so hard for a manager to do that without yeah. the frameworks that recruiters are able to bring, right? And yeah. ultimately, when we peel back the layers, it's the questions you ask. It's how we ask ourselves. Because if you ask yeah. for a list, you always get one. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you ask, what, is, what will be happening in six months that's not happening right now of a leader? Yeah. That's how you know what you're looking for. You're looking for yeah. the person who can get you there. Yeah. But not creating that finish line is a really easy to screw up the hire in the first place. Yeah. What, what has been, what is your advice? Because um, I think this probably, start, this probably starts at the most elemental of getting that manager, that leader to be able to think through and articulate um, needs versus wants. What, what's your advice to the that recruiter or that HR manager, whoever it may be, when the when the when the leader says, "Oh, I need uh, I need five years of X experience." Nope, can't, won't go off of that. Yeah. Absolutely need five years experience. That's so that that's, that that mindset just blows my mind always. Yeah. Well, so two answers on that one. I think my first answer is whenever someone is really stuck on something, the best tactic is to create contrast. Okay, mm-hmm. what does someone with five years know that someone with four years could not possibly know how to do? Uh-huh. Right? What do they know that this person doesn't? What, what, do they, what can they do that the other candidate can't? And creating uh-huh. that comparison helps people tell you the truth. Uh-huh. The second thing uh-huh. I would say, and I believe this is a broad missed opportunity in almost every single talent department I talk to, is that they do not provide ongoing education to managers. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you have bandwidth, honestly, even if you don't, <laughs> I, I think you can create bandwidth on your team by educating your managers because they can help you. And there should be regular ongoing education to help your managers get way better about what they're looking for, how to conduct an interview, and every other step that creates chaos in in recruiting in HR's Mm -hmm. life because Mm -hmm. they don't have managers on board and managers can't help because they don't even know the process. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and 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 it's process and it's structure, I think is one piece of it, but yeah, it's that it's that fundamental underpinning of that because every organization is different. So what our hiring 
style, process, mojo, um, how we evaluated candidates at company A is one thing. But, uh, you know, I, I leave company A, a and I'm a manager and I come into company B. Yes. That's because I've flexed those muscles elsewhere. And I maybe got fantastic training, if you will, at, at company A. And I, it's, I, I really understood. I understood the process, my role in it, how to interview, how to evaluate candidates, um, how to make a, make a decision. But I come to company B, and it's, it's totally different. Yep. And so company B needs to realize that and, and just the training. Yes, exactly. That's the thing that hit me. And I guess that's the benefit of both having experience sitting with recruiting teams and working as a managing editor where I just got to talk to smart recruiting teams all the time because yeah. I realized that variability. There are very few things that every company has in common. Very few. Right. Right. And I I didn't quite it didn't quite hit me until recently that these managers, right, they maybe they've experienced a one hundred percent outsourced recruiting model. Maybe they've yeah. experienced only agency. Maybe they've experienced a hundred percent in house. And the variability of those experiences alone justify training to create yeah. the consistent outcomes. Yeah. Like put your DEI policy down, put down all of the stuff that you do just to make yourself sound good. Right? Yeah. And teach people how to be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Harder than it sounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's, you know, um, even going back a step further from the, um, you know, an earlier step in the process, before we even get to, hey, the requisition is open and, um, and, and that, that manager is now um, – working on their job post and, and, and doing an intake meeting with the recruiter and everything. Before that, take another piece of the process that is ripe for improvement is the incredibly unsexy and unexciting writing of the quote official, I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> official job description, right? Yeah. Because that job description, which becomes at the end of the day, it's really sort of this protectionary kind of, legal document, right? That's, that's sitting, sitting in house. And, and I've worked in organizations, I've worked in every sort of organization who's also handled that differently, where in some organizations, HR um, had complete control over job descriptions, wrote all the job descriptions. Mm -hmm. um, it sometimes on their own, didn't even talk to the managers. Sometimes in, in in a good process, just as you're talking about with the job post, right? What what are the actual requirements? Is there and is there alignment across the organization? If we call a, you know, this is a, a analyst as an analyst in this department, the same as an analyst in that department, that sort of thing. There's, there's right. HR's kind of responsibility, but even there, I, I've also worked in organizations where HR was very hands off with job descriptions, exactly. and so a manager would say. Oh, I've got a, uh, you know, hey, I got budget approval to add this entirely new position, um, and or you know, uh, and or it's maybe it's an old position that we're, you know, hiring for the first time in five years, um, and so they either use an outdated job description or they 
charge the manager with writing the job description as well. And there too, right. managers don't have the they don't have the skills to do that. Um, they don't have the visibility across the organization to ensure there's consistency and alignment. And so I've I've walked into organizations where job descriptions have been created by at the end of the day a hundred different people, and and that throws your entire then sort mm-hmm. of compensation structure off as well, you know? Yeah. Well, consistency is the number one way to remove bias. Right. Just right. being consistent. And the other thing, you just mentioned compensation, and this is an area where, again, I have yet to meet a team who's actually doing this, right, is where you align skills with comp. So. Yeah. A lot of people create pay ranges, and now I'm air quoting pay ranges because right. sometimes it's a hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, that's a different lifestyle, not a range. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. different lives, okay. But if you cannot, if no one on your compensation team can say, if you have these skills, you make this much, and if you have these skills, you make yeah. this much at the top of the yeah. scale. You're paying the best negotiators, not the most talented people. And if you, again, that goes back to the job description, right? If you don't even outline that, there's no way we get to a more equitable pay process. Exactly. There's no path there because you skipped a step. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think bringing those things all together, it just so gets to your point of it's an education component for managers, for leaders, um, it, it, it's part, it, it's just part of their entire to use the cliche which I used when I talked about the show but it's the it's the leader's toolkit um, yeah. and you know they don't have to be deep down experts on let me take this job description and run it through the FLSA you know factor test um, but the, the the bare minimum of understanding what goes into a a a job description and how that then leads to the job analysis and the comp piece of it, as well as how then that becomes the very fun, the foundational blueprint, but yet is different than the job post. And just giving managers that insight, um, I mean, what a what a game changer that can be. Um, yeah, you know, I think it goes back to the whole idea of the free education, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I truly believe if an organization cares about pay equity, if they care about creating better outcomes for underrepresented communities, if that mm-hmm. is a true initiative of your organization, you should care about doing that everywhere, not just at your business. Right. And doing that everywhere means preparing your people to go into this world and make it better. That's what education yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, on the flip side of it, Another another thought that you tossed out there has been um, upping the skill set of of leaders in terms of resumes, right? Crafting and writing resumes, and uh, you know, kind of that other side of the of the you know hiring process. Um, what? It, how do we go about doing that? Why is that important? Well, I think there's kind of a pay-it-forward element here, right? A a leader needs to be able to describe their skills in a way that's really clear, but also to be able to help your team to constantly be able to represent themselves. Because, again, 
And, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. say this as a manager of people, and I want to be really clear, like, I want my people to stay. If they quit, right. I would cry. I will be explicit right. about that. <laughs> and I want them to quit if there's something better for them. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that with all my heart. Yeah. And, and knowing that we are going into a recession period where teams will change. I cannot predict the economy, and I let smarter people than me do their predictions. And by the way, all of them can be wrong. So, right, like, let's not get hung hung up on if they're right or wrong. But I think we do need to say, I need to be prepared to help my team if that is Mm -hmm. an outcome that we're expecting to see. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. more that we sit and refine this skill when we're asking about looking outward, we can also do that when we're looking inward and have your team learn this because yes. this will benefit you in performance appraisal time. Yes. This will benefit you in communicating about feedback and being able to explain what people need to be better at and help your team be able to survive if they are not part of your team anymore. And if you yep. want to talk about like employer brand and reputation, yep. that's what pays. Yep. Not yep. a little ov- about us overview that talks about how many stocks you sold last year. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, really. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, and this, um, it also becomes um, part of your living employer brand for, for those that are still with you as well in, in, terms of um that re- that you know that resume okay that's sort of a yeah i've got that on my you know on my hard drive and i'm ready to send it out whenever i need to but that also becomes a i, I think the resume is is the foundational document much like the job description is the foundational document to the job post the resume can be the foundational document to the a, a linkedin profile or what that team member of yours is putting out there to the world of what they do with your organization. And that also becomes a part of your, the, the company brand and, you know, somebody's representing your organization and, and they go to somebody's well-crafted, doesn't have to be 50 pages long, right? But here's what I do on their LinkedIn profile. Man, that could be a powerful, a powerful piece of, of your organizational puzzle. Absolutely. Right. I, it cracks me up how many people during the pandemic, I realized that the job posting methodology ties to a LinkedIn profile, that there are a lot of the same questions you can ask to create a really engaging profile. And it was fascinating to me how many teams were like, well, I don't want to help my team create their LinkedIn profile. They'll leave. And I'm like, if you think enabling them to use a profile is what's going to make them leave. You got right. really messed up. Like, right. like you got, right. you have human motivation screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead of flipping it on the other side and saying, uh, you know, to your, to your earlier point of it's part of, it, it's part of their development and their learning and their performance outcomes. And it's, it's sort of this, living resume should always be, you know, a, it's kind of like a living document, right? What, what's that advice we always get? Keep our resumes up to date. Um, uh-huh. You know, and I, I, I try my best, although HR people tend to be the worst at doing their own resumes, right? Um, <laughs> of course. But it's, you know, it's that, um, it's using that thought process as well of, yeah, letting, 
letting the world, I want my people to talk about the cool things that they're doing. And if they're putting that in their LinkedIn profile, and if that makes a recruiter reach out to them, you know, hey, you know, that means they wrote, they wrote something engaging. And that's good for my business, you know? Well, what I find actually ends up happening, yeah, recruiters reach out. Of course, that's what recruiters do. But what the more impactful reach out is the people who want to join your team, the people who think this is interesting, the people who want to engage and connect with your company. And that gives you an opportunity to actually be best in class, not just, you know, give yourself your sticker and (laughs) keep marching around and... Right. Pay your pay your couple thousand dollars to to a quote win an award. Exactly. I'm number eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are um man, once again, Kat, when you come on the show, we we could just keep talking for hours. Um, uh, but we're down to about five minutes left and, and so I wanna shift off of um off of this conversation we've been having about about this skill for leaders and talk about um, what today actually is, it's October 19th is when we are um, doing today's episode, and um, it is also uh, International Pronouns Day, and you wrote a blog post about it um, this morning that went out. But tell us a little bit about um, why we should celebrate that, and I love what you called it, celebrating a new language. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of backstory here, and you know, it's funny enough, it started on Blog Talk Radio. And on Disrupt HR, so many moons ago, I believe it was Pronouns Day or kind of a similar day, someone asked me to talk about coming out at work. And I recorded that session, and a few weeks later, someone emailed me and said, "I, you know, I listened to that session, and I just really want to learn more. I have someone on my team who is non-binary, and I want to make sure that they feel respected at work. And that made it... I realized, and I've been contacted by so many people from so many Mm -hmm. different backgrounds now who told me your story changed something for me. And not just at work. It changed how people treat each other at home. It changed how a parent treated their child. It changed how a you know, an aunt could see their nieces and nephews, and there are a thousand other really beautiful stories I could tell you, but ultimately what I realized is that stories are what change people's minds, and stories are what open people's eyes to both mm-hmm. who they are, but also who everyone else is. Mm-hmm. So today, kind of in honor of that, instead of telling my own story, which I do all the time, I decided to tell and share the people whose stories influenced me, because you know, I didn't exactly, I wasn't born being like, I'm non-binary and trans, got it, found it. Like, <laughs> it took me, unfortunately, another, like, 35 years uh, to figure that part out. And I only learned because I got to experience other people. Yeah. And I yeah. wanted to kind of pass that joy along for others. Oh, I love it. And you you, you had a, a long thread, I think it was last week, um, I saw on Twitter, um, which was also just, just, I thought it was beautiful and it was full of joy and happiness because um, there was there was there was nothing but but beauty in it and and you started the thread um, and just asked a lot of people to list people that have inspired them um, yeah. in in their journey or in 
whether it's non-binary, trans, whatever their journey was. And, man, you curated just from people contributing in that Twitter thread just a whole bunch of of awesome people with um, with just interesting things to tell and share and learn from each other. And I guess that goes back to your sharing that we already yeah. talked about. It's a different way. Yeah, it's um, kind of a full circle thing. You know, I, I've been is. very lucky, I, I think, to be able to find my voice and be able to create a platform where I can say whatever the hell I want and yeah. be who I want to be, both at yeah. work and every day. And I know that that's a privilege not afforded to everyone. And so yeah. the more that we get to talk and share and be connected, the stronger we are. Yep. All I of us. Love it. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kat, once again for, for joining us on Drive Through HR. And thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, Kat, if you want to just give everyone a quick uh, where they can find you again on whatever channel or site you want to share. Yes. So my full name is Katrina Kibben, and I'm the only one in the whole world. So if you spell <laughs> my name right, you will find me. If you spell my name wrong, you're going to find a U.S. House of Representatives Navy priest, and you'll know you were in a very wrong place, like way wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and the yep, company is it, three it, years media. That's right. You're you're uh, you're entirely Googleable. Let's say that. That's a good one. Well, that's right. Well, again, thanks, Kat, for joining us today, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening. And have a fabulous rest of the day and a fabulous week. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>